and welcome to Queers Did That, a queer history podcast. My name is Amanda. I'm Katie. Hi, Katie. Hi. How are you doing today? I'm just tired. I'm also tired because today we went to Pride, the Pride Parade at least. We stood for two hours and then we went home because we're old (laughs) and my knee hurt. (laughs) (laughs) And my feet hurt. Yeah, and my feet hurt. So we're old. But the parade was nice. Yeah, it was really good. It was longer than usual, I feel like. Yeah. And most importantly, we oh. got the high five gritty. Yeah, that was the highlight. Top top moment in my life, I think, right yeah, there. Yeah, I had like top moment and weirdest moment because there was an FBI representation there. Yes. So that was weird. It was weird. There was only three of them, though. Yeah, but I don't think I've ever seen it before. No, it was, that was a new addition. I was like, oh, okay. This is a thing that is happening. Which, like, normally, like, seeing Ed Rendell would be, like, the weirdest thing. But then the, the FBI was like, mm-mm, we're going to be weirder. It's like, okay. Yeah, it was good, though. It was good. It was a lot of fun. I got a lot of free swag. <laughs> yes, you did. I threw out half of it. Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> well, some of them were sunglasses that you can't see out of. I'm not saying lift (laughs) (laughs) but we are you know it doesn't sound like we're on topic we are actually on topic because as is pride month and we want to talk about people who were integral to the creation of why we celebrate pride month and stonewall Mm -hmm. we're going to be talking about marsha p johnson today oh my yeah it's a heavy hitter well, you can't do Pride without talking about Marsha B. Johnson. It's true. It would just be incorrect. So. I agree. So how much do you know about her? Oh, boy. Well, I know that she was part of the Stonewall Riots. Mm-hmm. I know that she and Sylvia Rivera were very close and did all that stuff yes i'm glad you pay attention to the previous episode and i also know that she might have been murdered but the police didn't care yes and that's uh i mean i know she did a lot it's just yes i mean that's probably more than a lot of people (laughs) and again like with the sylvia rivera episode we're going to be talking about organizations and things that happen and use certain words that we don't use anymore Mm. so when i'm referring to those that's when i'm going to use the words and otherwise i'll just update it to today language gotcha i just like warning people Mm, that's fair i don't want people thinking i'm like a six-year-old man or something i don't know (laughs) out of touch out of touch Mm. is it me no the children Children. the children who are wrong (laughs) exactly Marsha P. Johnson was born 1945 in Elizabeth, New Jersey. Yay, Jersey. That's, Yay. that's where I'm from. Uh, is Elizabeth? I mean, not, not Elizabeth, sorry. Is Elizabeth North Jersey? It's North, yeah. I mean... Oh, that makes more sense. Don't yeah. quote me on exactly where it I is. I mean, it's more North than you. Yes. And, again, Wikipedia has her dead name. If you want to look at it, that's fine. I'm not going to be bothering with that because mm-hmm. I think it's pointless. She had six siblings, and her father was an assembly line worker at General Motors, and her mother was a housekeeper. 
Johnson attended the African Methodist Episcopal Church as a child and was a devout Christian throughout her life and also took an interest in Catholicism and like other faiths. Uh, she began to wear dresses at the age of five, but stopped temporarily because she got harassed by boys who lived near her house, unsurprisingly. <laughs> Johnson graduated from the former Edison High School, now Thomas A. Edison Career and Technolo Technical Academy mm. in 1963, but then left her home for New York City with $15 and a bag of clothes. I, I don't know how much $15 is now, but still not a lot of money then, too, in the 60s. Oh, yeah, no, so. probably not. She waited on tables after moving to Greenwich Village in 1966. While she was in New York, that's when her drag persona came to life. At first, she was called, she called herself Black Marsha, but decided on Marsha P. Johnson later as her drag queen name. Hmm. Getting Johnson from the restaurant Howard Johnson's on 42nd Street. <laughs> and she said the P stood for pay it no mind <laughs> and used the phrase sarcastically when questioned about her gender, saying <laughs> it stands for pay it no mind. That's great. She said once to a judge who was thought it was funny and released her. <laughs> 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 Which, I mean, <laughs> A plus yeah. on that. And at varying points of her life, she identified herself as gay, trans, drag queen. So I kind of, kind of mm -hmm. went through. There was, you know, had, you know, studied her, like, after, you know, a professor said probably would probably use the phrase somewhat or close to gender nonconforming, mm -hmm. but obviously did not exist in the 60s yeah. and 70s. So, so she used the words that were available. available yeah. Yes. She also said that her style drag was not serious or, quote, high drag. I don't know what that means. <laughs> I think it's fancy drag. It's probably, like, drag race, like, RuPaul, you know, RuPaul stuff. Mm -hmm. I don't know. Because she said she said that she could not afford to purchase clothing from ex expensive stores. She used leftover flowers after sleeping under tables, and, you know, she was known for putting the flowers in her hair. So there's a picture of her, a very famous picture of her with flowers in her hair, and that's why. And she often dressed in flowing robes and shiny dresses, red plastic high heels, ow, <laughs> bright wigs, which obviously tended to draw attention. She also sang and performed as a member of NYC-based drag performance troupe Hot Peaches <laughs> from 1972 through shows in the 1990s. There was also the Coquettes, which was a similar drag troupe from San Francisco, they formed an East Coast troupe, and they wanted her to perform with them as well. So she did, like, a lot of drag yeah. troupe stuff. In 1975, she was photographed by Andy Warhol as a part of a Ladies and Gentlemen series of Polaroids. Huh. According to J Johnson, she said that she was one of the first drag queens to go into Stonewall Inn because originally it was just for gay men, oh. but they had just recently started allowing drag queens and women into the bar, which, you know, good job, I guess. After that, on June 28th, 1969, that's when the Stonewall uprising occurred. There were two nights of intense rioting and clashes with police, but this kind of lasted, the first two days were the most intense, but it basically lasted a week oh. around Greenwich Village. 
there was a bunch of demonstrations and marches just kind of right, like sporadically just coming up. And Johnson was named as, quote, the three one of the three individuals known to have been in the vanguard of the pushback against the police that night. There's many different reports about... There's some people say that she threw a glass at the window. There's people say she threw a brick. Just, there's a... I mean, when you have something like that, you're not going to have necessarily accurate accounts that could be like, right. this is what happened because it was a literal riot. Yeah. Yeah, there's a lot of, like, information that was going on, like, she threw a brick at a police officer and stuff like that, but none of it was ever really verified. Johnson claimed that she was not the Stonewall in when the rioting broke out, but had heard about it and went to get Sylvia Rivera to tell her about it. Hmm. But on the second night, she climbed up, Johnson climbed up a lamppost and dropped the bag with a brick on a cop car, shattering the windshield. <laughs> so she definitely did that. So, um... <laughs> Which is fantastic. Yeah. Regardless, I think whatever... Obviously, facts are important, but I think in this case, having her and Sylvia Rivera be the face of the Stonewall Uprising and being the like larger spark from the previous protests that lit the, the current you know, movement the gay political movement I think is important I think to have them as figureheads is I think very important <laughs> I can't think of words no I mean it's it's it, it makes it easier to get behind a movement when you have like a, a leader you know or, or you know something something a, a symbol or like to to, to look up to to kind of yeah follow. obviously with all these you know riots and protests in california and philadelphia and you had like countless people doing that and you know even like behind harvey milk who we talked about there's like countless people behind him and with gilbert baker there's many people who were involved creating the flag as well and like I don't think necessarily celebrating them is taking away from like those other people if you do it correctly. Mm-hmm. So that was my soapbox for this episode. <laughs> um, after the Stonewall Uprising, Johnston joined the Gay Liberation Front and participated in the first Christopher Street Liberation Pride rally on the first anniversary of Stonewall in June 1970. In August 1970, she and fellow members of the Gay Liberation Front staged a sit-in at Weinstein Hall in New York University after administrators canceled a dance when they found out it was sponsored by gay organizations. Yep. (laughs) Never have nice things. Closely after that, Johnson and Sylvia Rivera co-founded STAR, the STAR, the Street Transvestite Action Revolutionaries Organization. They became very visible presence at gay liberation marches and other political actions. But in 1973, Johnson and Rivera were banned from the Gay Pride Parade by the Gay and Lesbian Committee who were administering the event, saying, quote, they weren't going to allow drag queens at the marches, claiming they were, quote, giving them a bad name. (laughs) The response was to march defiantly ahead of the parade. Yeah. (laughs) 
during a, a rally in New York City in the early 70s, a reporter asked Johnson why the group was demonstrating, and she shouted into the microphone, darling, I want my gay rights now. <laughs> yeah, so I think that's something also, I, mean, I guess this is not my only soapbox. Oh, okay. I'm sorry. Nope. I'm not sorry, though. <laughs> we... It's, it's frustrating to see the same arguments and the same ways of like gatekeeping and keeping oh, people yeah. out happening over and over and over again. I know we've talked about this in other protests and different historical events. It's, it's a combination of not learning our history or just collectively forgetting it. We're just keep making the same mistakes and very close like history of each other. Like history always repeats itself, but we're talking about like decades instead of like not even sometimes. This was 1973, and Stonewall happened like less than five years before. And they were like, no, it's cool. We don't want drag queens. Right. They make us look bad. Mm-hmm. And that was very much the movement that became the more in the forefront that we're just like the straights and kind of trying the, to assimilate rather the, than. Yeah, the assimilate versus the liberation. Right. And very like, let's rub elbows with people instead of throwing bricks at cop cars. So, but then by doing so with the assimilation, you're pushing out people who don't conform to those norms for whatever reason. And that's bad because the queer community is awesome. And it's awesome because we have so many different gender variant people and people who express themselves in different ways and don't necessarily fit into heteronormative standards and when we do it to ourselves i think it's extremely frustrating yeah no it's very frustrating so that was my second soapbox it's i guess just, i guess <laughs> i mean that's just human nature just, i don't know no i mean i don't think i don't have a like a magical solution where everyone stops sucking <laughs> <laughs> i think if i had that the world would be a slightly different place at the moment it's true. Just my guess. During another... So, I'll get back to Marsha. During another incident around this time, Johnson landed in court and uh, because she was confronted by police officers for sex work in New York. And when they tried to apprehend her, she hit them with her handbag, which contained two bricks. <laughs> When she was asked by the judge why she was she was on the street, Johnson was explaining she was trying to secure enough money for her hus- husband's tombstone. Wait. <laughs> yeah, that's what she said. Oh so obviously at this point, no one was recognizing her gender identity, so it would be seen as a same-sex marriage, right. which is was obviously illegal at that point. And, you know, but still, the judge asked her what happened to the husband, and Johnson responded, pigs killed him. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah. That's, uh... <laughs> yeah. It's really good. Yeah. Uh, she was initially sentenced to 90 days for the assault, but uh, they eventually convinced the judge to send her to Bellevue instead, which is a mental health, a mental facility. Hmm. Yeah, so in 1972, uh, Rivera and Johnson established a star house 
which was a shelter for gay and trans street kids. They paid the rent for it with money they made while they were sex workers. The house wasn't focused on drag performance or anything like that, but Marsha was still seen as the drag mother of the star house. (laughs) And then, and this was, you know, having, being the mother of the house, it's, it's, it's a very long-standing tradition of LGBT youth and LGBT people in general having like chosen family. Mm-hmm. Um, all the moms we saw today who yeah. was like, "Oh, I, I'll be your mom, hug me." Yeah, free, free so, mom hugs. Yeah, so it's essentially free mom hugs. Uh, Johnson worked to provide food, clothing, emotional support, and a sense of family for young drag queens, trans women, gender nonconformists, and other gay street kids living on the Christopher Street docks or in their house on the Lower East Side of New York. She was a respected organizer and marshal with ACT UP, who we talked about in previous episode. Yes. Um, in 1992, when the Stonewall Memorial was moved to Christopher Street from Ohio to recognize the gay liberation movement, she said... How many people have died to have these two little statues be put in the park to recognize gay people? How many years does it take for people to see that we're all brothers and sisters and human beings in the human race? I mean, how many years does it take for people to see that we're all in this rat race together? Because that was 92. Yeah, so that was quite a bit after. Mm -hmm. So because she, because Johnson lived on the street and engaged in sex work, and survival of sex, she was arrested many times, by her count, over 100, and shot once in the late 70s. Oh. And Johnson spoke of having her first mental breakdown in 1970. So, like, you know, she'd be in facilities for a couple months and being treated for with antipsychotics. And, you know, after the medication wore off again, that was kind of the same repeat for a little bit. Um, between 1980 and her death in 1992, Johnson lived with her friend Randy Wicker, who invited her to stay the night one time when it was very cold out, about 10 degrees Fahrenheit. Oh my. Yeah. She also had self-admittedly anger issues along with her mental health issues. And, you know, she would have violent outbursts and, like, would need to be sedated and a lot of times she would speak in a more aggressive short-tempered speak and like deeper voice kind of like her you know yeah she like feel like she'd become a very nasty vicious man looking for fights Hmm. the dual personality of johnson has been described as quote a schizophrenic personality at work i mean obviously like none of this has been like medically medically documented but she struggled with mental health very much so that was and you know anger issues and all that obviously was intertwined apparently because of this she had been banned by a lot of gay bars Mm. because of this and by the time of her death in 92 it was said that she was becoming increasingly sick and fragile in state as well so In 92, after the Pride Parade, Johnson's body was discovered floating in the Hudson River. The police initially ruled the death a suicide, mainly because they didn't feel like dealing with it, and also her mental health history. 
But Johnson's friends said that she wasn't suicidal and there was a massive head wound on the back of her head. Huh. <laughs> yeah. There were some of her friends who thought that she died by suicide, but there was definitely people didn't no one really agreed on what what happened, happened because yeah. you have no idea of what happening. And also people said that she was seen at the time being harassed by a group of quote thugs who also robbed people. So and they saw uh they saw someone fighting with her on July fourth, nineteen ninety two as well. And he the same guy used a homophobic slur and like bragged about like killing a uh, drag queen. Oh well. <laughs> Yeah. So on, and the police had still had very little interest in it for many obvious terrible reasons. But in November of 2012, Mar- uh, Maria Lopez succeeded in getting the New York Police Department to reopen the case as a possible homicide. Oh. I don't know if there's anything that has come from that. Right. I mean, I feel like we would have heard that. Yeah. But I mean. I think it's still important. Yeah. And earlier this month, that to celebrate the 50th anniversary of Stonewall, there's a monument going um, in New York that is dedicated to Sylvia Rivera and Marsha P. Johnson. Oh, that's cool. So, yeah. How many people have to die to get a monument? Oh, yeah, exactly. So... That's, that's Marsha. Just sucks, like, how, like, hard, like, their lives had to be. Yeah. It is. It sucks a lot. And remembering them and remembering what they did and what they sacrificed and what they had to do is what we need to remember and grow as a community. I think I think it's starting at least more so than even like five years ago to come back into purview and like the consciousness of the community. At least people are talking about it more. I mean, obviously people have been always talking about it, but I think it's become a larger conversation. So I, I'm hoping, I hope that this isn't just me. I'm going to be hopeful. I'm not going to call it naive, mm-hmm. but... I hope that these continued conversations and us talking about our own history and us having more resources available online and being able to find out about people who we've never heard of or only know part of their story and what they've done for the community, I'm hoping that that moves us to a better, more inclusive, respectful, loving community because... We all gotta get our shit together sometimes. <laughs> Just saying. I'm not perfect. I'm not saying I'm perfect, but collectively, <laughs> we need to get our shit together. <laughs> yeah, and you know, I think we're slowly getting there. I think so too. I think again, we also sometimes I think Stonewall is a double-edged sword. How Stonewall is perceived as a double-edged sword, because you had all these other protests. 
and you know rumblings and things building up for a very long time and then you have Stonewall because of all this police brutality against you know black and brown especially queer people and that's what caused it to happen but it's been seen for so long as the spark Mm -hmm. of the gay rights movement that like it happened out of this vacuum almost if you don't know previous history to that and i think that's it does a very large disservice to understanding activism (laughs) and how we should be doing things now because it's not going to be like if something happens now or like recently it's not going to be because like someone just decided to throw like a brick at a cop like it's going to be because like of lots of tension and things bubbling up and different demonstrations happening and culminating into one big thing so and it's hard because i know any civil rights movement it's it's one person it's one thing that like started all even though it's not that yeah but i think for us because especially we don't get taught our history that we need to we need to dig deeper i i think if you have the resources and like i think it's your obligation to learn about your history even though it sucks that we it's not easily accessible yeah i guess that's my third soapbox of this episode (laughs) i'm still not sorry it's okay so i think that's i think this episode before i go into another one soapbox okay yeah so i hope you learned something yeah 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 so it was Marsha, I, I appreciate her. You yeah. Know, and pay it no mind, you know? Yeah. <laughs> I love that she got out of court because of that. Like, jail, like a sentence because of that. It's oh, yeah. fantastic. So good. Love it. <laughs> um, if you have any comments or questions, you can email us at queersdidthat at gmail.com or at queersdidthat on Twitter. You also can leave messages on Anchor, but you have to have an Anchor account. We would love to hear your lovely voices as long as you're nice and polite. <laughs> because, you know, we like nice people. Sometimes. Yeah. Oh, okay. You just didn't say anything in agreement. <laughs> oh, I'm, yes. We like nice people. Okay. <laughs> so until next time, make gay history and make history gay. Bye. Bye. true we were wooing a lot